It's time for another edition of Dome and Domer, the only podcast for Notre Dame fans by Notre Dame fans. If you're looking for cogent analysis and unbiased opinions backed by careful reporting, you've come to the wrong place. For the next 20 minutes or so, you'll get a fan's perspective on the Fighting Irish without all the normal spin from the so-called professional analysts. It's Dome and Domer. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Brammer and Ed Jordanic. Hello, Irish fans, and welcome to another edition of Dome and Domer, the oldest Notre Dame football podcast on the planet. Sold that these whiskers would be black done when by we the first oldest started. ND podcasters. So <laughs> that kind of matches hosts. up. Yeah, with the oldest host. That's I don't know if it's the, the I think the uh, the grayness is a result of being a Notre Dame fan and commend to this. So this is what you put up with when you cover Notre Dame football. But anyways, uh, some good things going on. Ed, I'm going to start with you just because you nailed it at nine and three with your prediction at the beginning of the year. Uh, obviously, some of that played in with Freeman being a young burgeoning coach that had no head coach experience. However, I, I one of the things that has surprised me is how well he has navigated the new era of college football that we're now in. And um, really, I, I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, obviously, we could talk about that. But wh- wh- what are your thoughts so far with some of the transfer portal pickups that we've had? Which is, again, I think this is really fascinating because this is where college football changed. Used to be that Alabama and Ohio State, there were no rebuilding years for them because they just reloaded with the talent that they had. But all of a sudden now everybody's in that same boat because if you can reload with the transfer portal, there is no rebuilding. You're you're loaded up again. And it looks like we're in that case, especially with the the, uh, schedule that we've got next year. Yeah, I think... uh... I mean, a couple things. As far as nine and three, I I, I just got lucky, but um, but I did really think that they would lose. That you know, the luck would run out in terms of beating teams that you po- you supposedly should w- beat. Um, and you know, it was almost Duke, and ended up being Louisville. Um, but uh, um, but anyways, I mean, I you know that that Ohio State game will stick in our craw for a long, long time because of how imminently winnable it was, and with the stuff that went down at the end of the game. Um, so that's the one that really, you know, I would have, I would have rather been nine and three with a loss to Ohio state, <laughs> to be frankly, or with yeah. the win, with win, the win. Yeah. Yeah. State, no, I'm know, with you there. Honest. Yeah. Um, and of course, um, you know, beating the crap out of USC is always fun. Um, so, <laughs> um, but, uh, now we can just root for Alabama and then, uh, if that doesn't work out, hopefully we'll, the Huskies will be the national champions. So just as long as, uh, Michigan doesn't win, it'll be a successful season. So, um, <laughs> But as far as as far as the the portal, you know, it kind of feels like like college football is being ruined uh, before our eyes. Like our favorite sport since we were yeah, little boys. I, I think is, so. Is, I'm is with being, you there. Uh, torn yeah. asunder. Um, and you know, basically, I mean, I think I can't remember who was it who was the first one to do this. Whether it was Herm Edwards or maybe I think Clark Lee did this. Uh, but they may have seen the future coming a little bit better than most. But basically. You know, you need a head coach and you need a general manager, <laughs> yeah. uh, right? right? You know, it's turned into a, 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 a you know, a sport um, that, uh, you know, it's it's not really uh, recruiting is sort of half the job. The other half is sort of scouting, talent acquisition, um, contract management, uh, you know, all the things that general managers in all the professional sports uh, do. And, you know, I don't I don't really feel... 
I don't really feel great about that. Obviously, at the end of the day, we all want to see our teams win on the field, and that's sort of what it comes back to, and how they do it is often less important than if they do it. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I'm probably in the, I, I'm probably somewhat in the minority on this, certainly in the, the commentator community that I've heard, but um, Florida State should be one of the final four teams. In oh, this I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. And the reason they the got reason, screwed, that's just yeah, ridiculous. And, and the yeah. main reason is, is whether, you know, and first of all, you know, human beings sort of deciding with their eye, but, but I guess the part that really bothers me about it is um, this argument about, well, their quarterback is out. Okay, you know that that basically to me um, shortchanges a coaching staff who has a month to prepare a backup quarterback, um, a defense that was dominant. I mean, I'm a Raiders fan. They were underdogs to the Chiefs, and they scored two defensive touchdowns. Yeah, that made it, right. That won the game for them exactly. Yeah. So why yeah. can't why can't those kids at Florida State, you know, be given the chance uh, to do that after? sort of the way that they, you know, you can't sort of say winning is hard and then, you know, sort of, you know, out of one side of your mouth and then the other side say, oh, well, we know that they're going to get drilled by Michigan or we know that they're going to get drilled by, you know, uh, Washington in the playoff. I, I just, exactly. I, yeah, I it's ridiculous. To be so it, it's it, it's a it's what ruins college, college football, because that's what it's all about. It's that it's it's being able to navigate from one week to the next. Right with the adversity that you are faced with. And then when your team overcomes that adversity, that, that, that's what's, what's great about college football. And it's why it's such an awesome span, you know, fan sport. But to, to that point, Coffee, and I'm just kind of curious, I mean, this is going to be a weird connection here, but I almost think that the Alabama game plays right into this argument because, <laughs> I mean, look, Tommy Reese is going to have to navigate around what Milrose can't do, which is sit back and pick defenses apart. He's not that kind of quarterback. Mm -hmm. And so Alabama's given this opportunity now to, if they can navigate around that to see what happens against a really good, solid team like Michigan. And uh, again, this is what's great about, but what's not great about college football is when Florida State doesn't get the chance to do that, even though they ran the table and they didn't lose to anybody and they went undefeated. There's no loss on their on their record. They did everything you asked them to do at the beginning of the season, and yet they can't go to the playoffs. I mean, it just – this is kind of what is, what is a little bit crazy, even though I think that you can argue all day long that they would they would be bigger underdogs to Michigan than Alabama would be. But since when does that dictate everything? No, absolutely. I, and I think this whole I, – I echo what Ed said, that this whole looking ahead and – looking to the crystal ball and say, oh, these guys are going to lose. We can't let them in. I mean, it, it can't work that way. You have to reward what happened during the season or the season doesn't mean anything. I mean, yeah, then it why means not just nothing. sit in a room and to draw four names out of a hat then? I mean, that's, it's, I think I agree that, I mean, I certainly have no love for Florida State, but they totally got bent over on this because oh, they, they got screwed. Their, their performance over the course of the season was fantastic. And Mike, as you pointed out, yeah, they're going to be playing their backup quarterback, but that backup quarterback was still good enough to win the ACC championship game. And uh, he, he's, that's just, he, they've got four weeks to get him ready for this game. And he's already played pretty well. So what, why? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think this, if, if what we're going on is ratings and money and all that, then, you know, Burn, yeah, burn you know, it all down a, and start over. 
Yeah, Ed, so here's another thing that's kind of ruined college football is the bowl season. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, now, as much as I'd like to put a lot of emphasis on the game Friday, I don't, I don't think it means crap. I mean, half the guys that are playing aren't going to be the key contributors next year because they haven't transferred in yet. So it's just, I mean, and plus the guys that should be playing aren't even playing. So yeah. what what exactly is this? Is this the, the 2023 Notre Dame football team playing on Friday? Or is this just the guys that we've got left and we're going to have a scrimmage and let's yeah. just see what happens? I mean, I, I do think there's there's opportunity for some guys to shine. And I do expect uh, Jeremiah Love to have a big game. I, I think we're going to see him with a few extra carries. I mean, he's a guy that I think can just bust it. And um, that'll be fun to see. But, you know, outside of that, the game is pretty much meaningless in my mind just because of, of the way it shakes out. Yeah, no, I, I think that, again, you know, we're, we're dating ourselves. But, I mean, bowl season is fun. I mean, it's fun to come home on, you know, December 28th you know, and watch the Holiday Bowl, which has always been a great, you know, game. It wasn't yeah. a terrible game last night, but I mean, but you, you, you still watch these games for the players, right? You know, you t because you, you see guys that you that you may not have ever heard before that you know you five years later are, are an all pro, right? Because none of right. us watch all these teams all during the year, and there are some hidden gems. I mean, I, I didn't know Tulane was eleven and two. I mean, you know, they got they, they, they were undefeated for a while there. I mean, yeah, I like you know, I don't. So I don't know. Bowl season has always been fun. You know, there's these, you know, these backbench announcers who are hilarious, who crack up, <laughs> so bad, or, or they're good, or they're undiscovered gems. You know, there's uh, there's these funny, you know, these funky, funny um, sponsors of these bowls. You know, there's the, you know, everything from getting, you know, mayonnaise poured on top of your head to, you know, some sponsor that you know is out of business within six months after the bowl game. You know, I mean, there's it's 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 kind of it's and, it, and it's there's a lead up, right? There's a build up to those, you know, those big daddy bowl games, right? You know, there's a lead up to those to those traditional rose, yeah. sugar, cotton, you know, and that was, you know, again, it's nostalgic, but that was really, you know, enjoyable. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I there, there's so much there's so much money at stake um from broadcast rights uh for the players from nil for the coaches that are moving around i mean think about if you're a college football coach right now how incredibly difficult your job is from thanksgiving day until yeah. new year's day you know it's, like, it's crazy it's, it's not the most wonderful time of the year for you it is the worst yeah i mean it is it is incredibly packed with with pain and, and pressure um and it's also purportedly a time that the student athletes should be focused on being students. Right. right. <laughs> and instead they're focused on everything but that. Yeah, so, wait, wait till we get and, to the 12 team playoff. Right, that, exactly. So. That's just gonna oh, make man. it worse. So, you know, all these, all these, all this BS that we've known is from BS for so long, you know, is even is even is even sort of worse now. Um, and sort of the, you know, it's it's I don't know, it's it's it feels yeah. like a sport that we really love for its unpredictability, for its wackiness, for its crazy outcomes. Right. You know, like, how can any sport that could see Appalachian State beat Michigan also say, we have a committee that's going to tell you exactly who should be in this 14 playoff because we know better yeah, than exactly. the like, what, field, I mean, what's going to yeah. happen? I mean, that's crazy. That's right. Yeah. And, and not to pile on to this coffee, but I'm going to pile on to it anyway. Um, 
we're looking at a two two years in a row potentially the Notre Dame starting quarterback could have a great game and is going to end up transferring out of Notre Dame. Yeah. <laughs> so no. Absolutely. How often do we see that? I mean, that just tells you where we're at these days. I I don't know. I I think they're. I'm I'm 100 behind the players sharing in some of these incredible amounts of money that are being thrown around. I wish there weren't incredible amounts of money being thrown around, but uh, reality is what reality is. And I think what they need is a controlled mechanism of how the players can share in the revenue in return for a lot more roster stability. I mean, I like going back to the old plan of, you want to transfer? Fine. You got to sit out of here. But in return for that, you you are going to get x percent of your of revenue that that gets paid out when you leave or when yeah. you gra- I'd love to see when you graduate but I mean 99% of the people in college football are going to laugh at that but yeah I I would love to see it go into a trust and say when you graduate you're going to get x number of thousands of dollars because you contributed towards this but then you're fighting with title 9 you're fighting with all kinds of all kinds of stuff that has to be figured out, but this, but it needs to be figured out. Or like you said, this, this sport is just going to absolutely collapse. And yeah, no, it, it's getting crazy. And it's, um, well, you know, I, again, I think just, you know, what we're dealing with now in bowl season, the way these rosters shake out, the way all this kind of comes to play. And even just look at, look at the top three finishers in the Heisman race. All three of them are transfer quarterbacks. All of them are quarterbacks that played somewhere else. <laughs> and, yep. and and really in the case of Bo Nix, I think remade himself. You know, when, oh, when he left Auburn, I didn't I didn't really think he was that great. I mean, I he was an okay quarterback at Auburn, but he wasn't like the guy he, that he, he ended was, up becoming well, at Auburn. And actually, uh Jay, the, the the winner when he transferred to LSU again, nobody was beaten down the door to get him when he left Arizona State. He was just kind of right. he was he was a he was a guy. Yeah. And Brian Kelly, for all his faults. Uh, he and Mike Denbrock turned him into a Heisman winner. Of course, they still ended up losing three games, but you know that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But it, it's a lot of these guys. On the one hand, a lot of these guys took advantage of the opportunity to remake themselves, to really put themselves out there and showcase what they could do. They needed a fresh start for whatever reason, but it just it creates the situation that you talked about between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Yeah. Where it's an absolute nightmare for coaches, yeah. just and trying to not signing. only keep your keep your recruiting classes together, but yeah. also keep your guys from leaving or be looking in the portal. I mean, you're right. You got to have a GM. You got to have somebody keeping track of this stuff. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Uh, and, and I'll I don't know if there's some breaking news going on there, Ed, but I was. Gonna... <laughs> Ed got yeah. so mad he just had to say, "Yeah, I'm out of here." I was just gonna. I got to go <laughs> off camera and have a tantrum. <laughs> I mean, it was a little surprising, Ed, to, to see that everybody signed with us. No drama whatsoever on signing day. And it's probably arguably the best class that we've seen since, I, I mean, I can't even think of 2012 going all the way back then. I mean, there, there's this is a incredibly big class for Marcus Freeman, just in terms of the level of talent of that class. But But yeah, I think it's a really good sign that everybody kept, not a single person um switched and I, I think that says that speaks volumes of Freeman and the staff being able to put this together. Well I think in a strange way, you know, NIL probably helps in that regard in the sense that you can as a recruiting staff, you can you can size up pretty quickly who is coming for, you know, 
that whole, you know, four and 40 years thing, who's coming, right. you know, for um, sort of quote unquote, you know, reasons other than the bag and who's, who's going to go to the highest bidder. And so when you're able to sort of eliminate those high talent guys or those high potential guys, um, you know, early on, because you know um, that, you know, what they're about at the end of the day, or, you know, your chances of sort of losing them is, is, um, is relatively higher. You can really focus on, you know, like if there's, you know, if there's three halfbacks that you think are, are awesome and you know that one of them, you know, is, is definitely, you know, deciding among schools for sort of reasons that, you know, we would deem to be the right reasons in terms of picking a, a university or, you know, or a place to, to showcase your talents, then you can, I think you have a little bit better chance of retaining them and not having any drama, if that makes any sense, right? You're not yeah. going to have a, some like an Alabama or Texas or whoever step in at the last minute and say, okay, here's an extra hundred grand, you know? Um, so yep. in a way I think mm -hmm. that, yeah, so I think, I, and also I think, you know, Freeman, when given time, you know, now he's into it a little bit. Now he's got the people in place that he wants to, you know, they probably hone their process a little bit. Um, and I'm not surprised that I, the other thing I like, I don't know if you've noticed this is that, that it seems to me that a subtle difference when I read these descriptions of these kids that they're getting now, there seems to be more, more of them that are sort of known for their mean streak especially when it comes to, to linemen, you know? Um, yeah. In other words, like, you know, you've got guys now, again, you you have strikeouts like, you know, Merriweather and, you know, some others on, at different positions. But in terms of like linebackers, defenders, offensive linemen, um, you know, there, there seems to be more of them that sort of love to play football, that play to the whistle, um, that are known for their, you know, quote unquote violence. Not that they're bad guys or they're thugs. It's just the way that they play the game is kind of a throwback. Yeah way of playing it and i think that that's that's important you need that no, it's, it's fascinating you bring this point up because i was literally just watching some game film of one of the linemen we signed and one of the clips i mean he takes the kid like 50 yards off the field and just pancakes them i was thinking the same thing like holy cow man he's up a little bit would you <laughs> but yeah i mean that that that's a great point because i i look i think there's a certain mentality that freeman wants he's a defensive side guy so it, it, it's it's only natural that you think that he gravitate towards that, but um, but I, but I love the fact that we did that. Uh, uh, let's wrap it up, coffee. But uh, give me not only your prediction on what you think, but is there anything that you think we're going to see or anybody to pay attention to that you're hoping to see in in terms of the game? What I want to see, uh, I'm interested in how the offensive line plays, especially our two new tackles, uh, Jagsaw particularly, because yeah. I know that uh, Oregon State has some attrition on defense, not a whole lot, and I think their defensive line is probably the strongest unit that remains, relatively speaking. So I want to see how they perform against these guys who are well-seasoned, against these guys who are making their first start. And I think that is really going to determine the, uh, the final score of the game more than anything else because I look at everything that – Oregon State has lost on offense, and that how Notre Dame's defense is coming in virtually intact. If Oregon State scores more than 10 points, I'm really going to be disappointed in how Notre Dame plays. I mean, unless it's a case of where the offense is turning the ball over on their own side of the field like four or five times, I expect a very, very strong performance by the defense. I'm saying 27 to 10. So uh, to that point, then, Ed, um, 
Cam Hart uh, is Watts playing? I don't know if Watts is playing. He's as far as I know, he hasn't yeah. said he's not. So. Oh, he has. Oh, so he is. Okay. Yeah. So we're we're relatively there, minus Hart, right? I mean, uh, everybody else is playing defensively. What What are your thoughts on what you think is going to happen and what you may might want to see? Yeah, no, I think Mike makes you know good points and, and a good analysis. I mean, I think that you know there's always. You know these these games, like you said at the beginning, they're just they're just wild cards, right? They're crapshoots. Yeah, you just, you just don't know, right? You really you really just don't know. Um, it's the blue I mean, and bowl game. It's yeah. I mean, to me, um, to me, I think it's going to be fascinating, regardless of outcome, to sort of just to sort of watch how effective this sort of makeshift offensive line is. I mean, it's not makeshift when looking to the future and the guys that you know we want, um, you know, to to shine. Um, but it is makeshift compared to sort of who started and who played during the year. Um, yeah. No Walt, no Walt, no Fisher, no Correll, no no Spindler. I mean, that's four of the five that played the majority of the snaps this year. The vast majority of the snaps, you know, are not going to be on the field and not even in the stadium. So, um, you know, and you know, you talked about Jeremiah Love. Well, you know, he's got to have somebody opening a hole uh, to show his yeah. to show his thing. So, and Angeli, if he's going to have a, a decent game, it's going to be because he's got a little bit of time. So that's, you know, I think the, I, like you said, I mean, regardless of how the defense performs, and I think they'll do really well, um, it's really going to be fascinating, you know, to watch the offensive side of the ball. Um, now, again, it's kind of a one-game snapshot because I think, you know, Denbrock will pretty probably make some pretty significant alterations and we'll see something, you know, pretty different come out of the shoot, coming out of the shoot next year with a different quarterback and, you know, other guys will step to the fore in terms of re- receivers, et cetera. Um, and, you know, the transfers in, like you said, Mike, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to be, I'm gonna just going to be interested to see how well, how well coached this offense looks with so many new pieces over the course of four weeks. I think that if they, if they look, if they look relatively disciplined and in sync and, you know, play well enough to win, I think that's a pretty damn good coaching job considering. Yeah, no, big time. Right. Just in light of what we've been talking about, about all the distractions and everything right. to then have a bunch of fresh new guys and somehow get them, you know, orchestrated. Uh, I agree with you guys. I mean, I think it is going to come down to how well we run the football and and, and just can we because if you can run the football a little bit, that'll take a little bit of pressure off Angeli so that that he can do some play action and things like that. Um, but without that run, <laughs> they could be in some deep trouble. Uh, a, a guy that's not seen a ton of snaps, an offensive line that's not had a lot of line call going on, um, and understanding the nuances of that. I mean, that's just going to be, um, you know, that's going to be interesting to see how they overcome that. I was thinking about this last night, and if you ask me, like, what would be my measure of success for the game? I mean, obviously you want to win, but I think if you, at the end of the game, if you think about the game and you think about the players and the plays um, that you remember, if they were made by underclassmen like the Eli Reardons and the Jalen Sneeds and the Jaden Mickeys and the yep. Jeremiah Loves and the great houses of the world, then it was a good, it was a good ball yep. game, right? Yep. You know, if those guys sort of made the plays that made the difference, I mean, we know Mills and Cross are going to perform, you know, we know, um, you know, we, we know this, we know Kaiser is going to play, you know, but, right. but if you see, if you see the sort of the, the difference makers be uh, some of those guys that are, you know, sophomores, redshirt freshmen, et cetera, then I think that'll be a pretty cool outcome. And, uh, you know, as long as it goes along with a 10th win, then I think we're all happy. Yeah, exactly. 100% with you. You know, the other thing I might, I think this is going to be kind of fascinating how this plays out, but if there's one thing you do know about Riley Leonard, he has had quite a few injuries in his career. So, 
he's not a guy that's gone through the season without any banged up or anything. I I think that's something that Angeli and Minchi are going to have to take into consideration here because it's probably likely he's not going to make it through the entire season and not sit out a game or two just based on his past performance. You know what I mean? And especially if we're going to count on him to to run the football a little bit, he's a big guy who takes some big shots. You know, I mean, it's just so I, that, that I think is going to be fascinating to see how that, that who that number two ends up being um, at the beginning of the season and who basically who sticks around. Um, because I, I do think that whoever that is that sticks it around is going to see some snaps. They're not going to, they're not going to be on the sidelines the entire year and who knows, God forbid something happened to Leonard. But, um, if you just look at the history that there's an indication there that you're going to get some snaps. So that, that could be interesting. All right. Well, uh, I assume that we're all predicting an Notre Dame win here, so I'm not going to bother to ask exact scores, but, well, Mike but said, like you said, Mike, what'd you say? Mike coffee, 27, 10. I said 27-10 Irish. Okay. Yeah, um, I yeah I, I think we're going to give up a little bit more than that. I think it might be something like 17. To, we'll, put, we'll put 35 on the board, but it might be 35-17. Ooh. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll say uh, – I'll say uh, – I'm going to say 29-13. That's too close to coffee, but that's okay. I think he's, I think he's got it right yeah. in the wheelhouse. Yeah, 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 we'll see. Hopefully, I, I, I win is a win. I'll take it. But even if we, you know, this game is kind of meaningless, to be honest with you. I just, I don't think it impacts anything going into next season whatsoever, no I'll matter what happens. If, I'll be disappointed if we don't win, because I think that'll be, that'll be a reflection on sort of our effort. Because, you know, Oregon State is pretty discombobulated. You know, I mean, they have not just... At the moment, they are, yeah. But coaching changes. Yeah. You know, they've had... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? So... Especially with our strength against their weakness. I mean, you you yeah. would think that that's kind of a pick six, something like that might even be in the cards. Yeah. Before we go, did uh, did we have uh, a sort of an alternate opinion on on Denbrock? Is anybody in the three? Oh, of I, I, I think on, it's a great move. I mean, I, I can't. Or? Yeah, I, 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 I think it's an awesome move. I mean, I really do. I think it's great for us. Um, it, and I do think there'll be some differences, as you said. I think Denbrock's going to come in and and you're going to probably see some differences right away. But I think over the course of time, boy, you couldn't have asked for a better a better pickup than him. I think it's really interesting, too, for the younger coaches. I mean, this is a guy that basically has developed players um, at every single position group on offense. Yeah. Right? You know, he is tight ends. Yeah. He's I mean, he's quarterbacks, tight ends, receivers, yeah. you know, running backs. I mean, I guess he hasn't coached offensive line, um, but obviously, you know, he's been run game coordinator, passing. You know, he's done just about. He, I think he really sees, you know, the offense holistically. Um, and I think a coordinators, you know, one of their biggest job is to coach his coaches. And, uh, you know, I think he's really comfortable in that role. Um, yeah. I think you can't underestimate the the fact that uh, that he knows Notre Dame. You know, when yeah, you I think that's young, huge. When you yeah. hire a young hotshot coordinator, um, you know, they may be the shiny new toy, but there's a real transition to sort of, you know, I mean, we like, I know this exceptionalism grates some people, but I think it is different to come in and, and coach at Notre Dame. It's a little bit different, especially on the recruiting yeah. trail, especially dealing with classes, especially dealing with, you know, some other things. And Denbrock gets all that. He doesn't have to be sort of taught that or get used to it. And I think that that gives you a little bit of a head start when you're yeah. changing such an important position. And it's a lot of pressure off Freeman when you think about it. I mean, yeah. Freeman doesn't need to worry about this now. You know what I mean? Like it's, 
Can you imagine a brand new coordinator coming in with no affiliation with Notre Dame? And then all of a sudden you got to navigate that process. Right. For Freeman, that's a lot of pressure on him. And boy, I tell you, this is great for him. I just think this is perfect timing. And um, I, I think we're going to benefit big time from this. Well, let's not kid ourselves either. I mean, anybody who questions the financial commitment of the university towards assistant they, coaches. Obviously, yeah. They, they came not, through they on that one. Yeah, this guy did not leave LSU because he misses uh, <laughs> right. you know, the, the chips and dip at Hacienda. You know, um, he, uh, you know he's, he's... He might like Bruno's pizza. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that's a great sign. You're right, though. That's a huge I, sign. You know, I'm, I'm sure that his agent said, how much is Reese going to make? Okay, well, yeah. you know, yeah. that's, you know, more than that. Give us more yep. than that. We'll come, you know? Yep. Yep. So, um, and I'm sure his, you know, his, his roots play into it. And, you know, he and his wife are both from a couple hours away and all that stuff. Right. You know, he's getting later in his career. He's probably made peace with the fact he doesn't want to, he's not going to be a head coach or doesn't want to be, um, which I think yeah, also no, works I, in I, our I, favor. 100%. But, I mean, yeah, it's I think, huge. But, but if the, the pressure that is on Marcus Freeman is, okay, you know, you don't know how long you're going to have out Golden. Yeah. You know, you don't know how long you're going to have Mike Denbrock. I mean, you think it's going to be a while, but, you know, it's time to really get something significant done. Yeah, I, because, I agree. You know, I you're, you're really well stocked in those two critical coaching positions, and you don't know how much longer that's going to go on. Yeah, for sure. 100%. All right, great. Well, this will be fascinating to see. We'll have some fun with it. Um, we'll leave it there. You've been listening to Dome and Domer, an online conversation about Notre Dame sports from a fan's perspective. For Ed Jordanik, Mike Coffey, I'm Mike Brammer. Thanks for listening.